You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Margaret Dovegal, Managing Director at Resource Work Society. And this week's topic is the latest from this year's gathering of the BC municipalities, wildfire prevention, climate action, and economic priorities. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us this morning. As always, I'm thrilled to be here. Good morning, Mankin. Now, Margaret, you've been attending events at and around the Annual Union of BC Municipalities Conference, which this year is being held in Vancouver. What are you hearing from delegates about their priorities? Well, first of all, I'm just really grateful to be surrounded by people again, and uh, a lot of people seem to be in the same boat. The last few years have been tough, and although we've been out of this pandemic for a while, it really feels like in-person mass gatherings, only really in a substantial anxiety a reduced way came back this year uh, so it's just it's been wonderful to see many people that uh, i miss catching up with or only saw every so often um and of course that didn't just have an oversight impact on people's mental health uh, i think it actually made political polarization and division worse uh, and i think that's had a real impact on the way we think about policy issues which is something i think and talk about quite a bit um, but in terms of what i've been hearing more directly i was uh, at a gathering of um uh, folks interested in the forestry sector being put on by the Council of Forest Industries uh, based in BC, the large industry association, and just about every single person I spoke with in the room was thinking and talking about wildfires. Um, over the, the past uh, couple of months, they have been felt really hard, and in some cases, they're still being felt hard. Uh, in fact, I heard uh, just the other day that uh, four volunteer firefighters, unfortunately, uh, lost their lives uh, battling the blaze, and um, it's having a really, really oversized impact um, on community well-being, on people's fear and sense of stability about the future. Um, And, of course, all other issues when people are afraid, people are anxious about their futures, about their ability to keep living in different places. Um, Those kinds of issues, you know, the the higher level stuff tends to get parked when we we focus on that kind of stuff. And, uh, of course, we're in the midst of really, really rapid climate change. So, uh, of course, we would be experiencing the impacts in this way, and uh, that's uh, been true around the world for the last couple of months uh, and throughout the rest of this year uh, with floods and storms and many other things like that. Um, So the focus really is on climate action, um, and uh, that is a theme that has really popped up in a lot of the structured sessions at UBCM, uh, which I admit I have not actually been attending. (laughs) It's more the the side events that I'm there for. Um, So a lot of interesting insights there. Uh, hearing a lot about the benefits of responsible forestry management, in particular for British Columbia, as a solution to managing the potential for out-of-controlled wildfires uh, when you don't have continuous management uh, and, and, and just work to maintain the health of forests uh, and forestry and the you know, targeted harvest of trees for uh, processing, uh, domestic use and export, uh, it's actually a really good way to do that. Uh, if you don't do that, then you actually end up with more uh, potential wildfire material building up. Um, so that's a, a lesson that I've been hearing a lot from many experts in this space. Uh, other topics that have uh, really, really come up in conversation, uh, economic reconciliation, uh, the relationship uh, between Canada Canadians, our society and our economy and Indigenous peoples, um, that's a really, really big theme. Uh, There's still a lot of work to get to a point where economic opportunities for Indigenous peoples and communities are on par with what the rest of Canada has experienced for many, many years. Um, So that's a theme that I spend a lot of time thinking about. Uh, My organization, Resource Works, hosts an annual conference, the Indigenous Partnership Success Showcase, and we're really trying to show that we can get to shared prosperity. And, of course, the way we get there to pass, um, 
when you start at a point where things are not equal, uh, you know, when you fast track something, uh, you have to build up that capacity in communities to actually um, work towards shared prosperity together. And there's always bumps in the road. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that on permitting, um, you know, uh, forestry management and co-management is uh, one issue that keeps popping up uh, where there's, you know, frustrations that um, communities just don't have that capacity internally to process um, all the applications and interests they're getting from industry. Um, and same sort of thing goes for oil and gas in the northeast of the province. Uh, particularly around the Blueberry decision, uh, Blueberry River First Nations decision. So um, there's been a lot of talk about that. Um, one more thing, though, that has uh, really, really uh, come up repeatedly in conversation um, is a recent report uh, from the BMO Capital Markets team uh, about the impacts of policies under Clean BC, the province's uh, climate action framework. And uh, they have some really startling conclusions uh, about impacts on our economy, but um, the biggest one I would say is that we may be looking at a $30 billion contraction in BC's economy um, by 2030. And for the average family, this could mean $11,000 less a year. Uh, that's a pretty big impact. Um, you know, it's you know, shrinking the economy, or as uh, Stuart Muir, uh, my, my boss, put it, uh, it's equivalent of traveling back in time to 2013. Um, so there's been a lot of concern about that and what it could mean. How does the implementation of clean BC policies in BC affect the province's economic growth and overall prosperity? Yeah, so there's ways that, um, you know, for example, uh, the policies could create some winners and losers in heavy industry, uh, with some companies benefiting from electrification uh, and, you know, the rapid scale up to electrify how we, uh, you know, provide um, energy that needs to be used by industry, uh, including energy producing industries. Um, and there's a sense that, uh, you know, you can't electrify at the same rate everywhere uh, because we have such a vast geography. Um, so particularly in remote areas where there is economic activity right now uh, that is not electrified, that could present some real challenges and potentially even job losses uh, if the capital to attain those targets cannot be uh, raised, uh, particularly due to uncertainty about other uh, policy conditions. Um, there is some concern that our natural gas industry, um, which really, really is um, the foundation of our ability as a province to be a major global supplier of clean, liquefied natural gas, uh, could potentially be in jeopardy. Um, so that's that's a real worry as well. Um, there's a sense that overall, and this is what the modeling uh, by the BMO Capital Markets team suggests, uh, we could be on a path to have the weakest economic growth in our history because so much of our economic growth potential right now does depend on energy-intensive industries, uh, ones that I think are world-class. Uh, they have made substantial, substantial uh, steps forward on emissions reduction and emissions intensity. Um, so that's a real sacrifice that uh, we would be making if we proceeded with this plan. Uh, but it would have material impact on everyone's quality of life and well-being. You know, job losses not only in select regions, but across the province. Uh, decreased economic growth, it's not just, you know, a, a term in a chart and uh, something that uh, economists and uh, journalists like to write about and occasionally opine uh, in the media on. No, it's, it's people's well-being in a material sense. Uh, it's the dollars that are flowing into communities across the province. It is people's ability to get a good paycheck that enables them to support their family. It's your ability to then take that paycheck and uh, spend it in a way that supports your quality of life. Uh, and if you don't have that core economic base, that strong growth, um, then 
everyone's quality of life uh, and their standard of living is lowered. Um, so that's a real worry and a real concern because in, us, in order for us to be resilient, to have economic resilience to respond to climate uncertainty, risk, and the cost of climate change, we need to have money. We need to have good relative economic position globally, uh, and that has other benefits, of course, too. Um, so I, I'm really concerned about this. A lot of economists and commentators and the business community as a whole is really, really worried, and they're concerned that the provincial government just isn't seeing the big picture on this. Um, so I think that's something they really seriously need to be thinking about. Are there any alternative targets and policies that could still address climate change while minimizing the economic impact on the province? Here's the thing. Um, the way that progress on emissions reduction is measured today is based on domestic emissions. So uh, based on the types of international agreements uh, that Canada is party to and the way the entire conversation around climate and climate change has evolved, we put the responsibility on specific countries. Um, you know, we don't apply too much. There is, of course, analysis you can apply to it to the role of energy exporters. And here's the thing about British Columbia. Uh, we are an energy exporter. We produce liquefied natural gas. Uh, that industry is growing really quickly, and we have the ability to provide this natural gas that's liquefied uh, at our coasts uh, to economies that want to transition away from coal. Um, so in that sense, this is a really, really great example of our ability to help the world decarbonize. But of course, the production of liquefied natural gas comes with its emissions. So the worry is that this plan as proposed actually really heavily penalizes producers. Uh, it doesn't take into account our ability to offset climate impact around the world. And of course, if we're having uh, the greatest possible impact in reducing emissions through exports, and that's not being taken into account, um, we are part of a very, very important solution to climate change's global issue. Um, so my worry is that if you know, we don't pursue things like international cooperation, you know, to get to agreements with more jurisdictions on carbon pricing, uh, carbon credits, and emissions reduction initiatives done across jurisdictions, um, we'll actually just be hobbling ourselves preemptively uh, and create something that economists term carbon leakage. Um, so, you know, carbon uh, is reduced here in BC, but uh, because we're now providing cleaner fuel uh, for other jurisdictions, um, they're going to a dirtier fuel, uh, you're actually getting higher emissions overall, which impacts all of us. So that's a real worry and concern. I think the BC government gets the picture on innovation and technology investment, but I think more work is still needed, and we really need to find ways forward that don't actually hinder our high-value, high-potential, um, I think, climate-friendly industries. One last thing. Your organization is hosting Professor Vaklov Smil on Monday evening for a dinner-speaking event. Who is Professor Smil, and what do you expect him to share? Yeah, so Professor Smil... Um, without going too much into his academic history, which is uh, very complex. He's a scientist, he's a commentator, he publishes a book a year on all sorts of issues, including energy, which is one of my favorite topics. Uh, he's just notoriously talented for his ability to distill incredibly complex topics into easily understandable terms. You know, he talks about uh, all the energy that is needed to uh, grow a single tomato, and uh, he talks about the diesel fuel that's needed, uh, you know, in your greenhouse, uh, at your farm when you're growing this tomato. Um, all of these, these inputs, the transportation, uh, the supply chains, um, and by using these simple examples, he's able to show that our world really relies on all of these essential commodities that make our world run. Um, wrote a book on it called How the World Really Works. 
Um, so he'll be diving into some of these topics for a business audience uh, Monday night, September 25th. Uh, anyone who's interested in attending should uh, check out our ResourceWorks Twitter. Uh, there's a, a lot of links there to, to get tickets. And if anyone wants a special discount, they should just drop me a note on Twitter or send me an email if they have mine. Uh, but really look forward to seeing people. And uh, there'll be an audience Q&A as well. So I think that's going to be a fun one for everyone involved. Margareta, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care. You too.